Welcome to the Pokes Cast. I'm Ryan Thorburn, the Wyoming beat writer for the Casper Star Tribune. You can follow all of my work at trib.com and follow me on Twitter at by underscore Ryan Thorburn. Uh, coming off the what probably, hopefully, is my last road trip to Provo. We'll see, you know, how long I last in this business and how what the appetite is for. Tom Berman and others to schedule BYU in the future, but Wyoming goes to BYU, plays pretty well, I thought, but loses 38-24 to 24 to the number 19 BYU Cougars. I'm bringing in uh, Robert Gagliardi to break it all down. Robert, how are you doing? What did you think of that game? Hi, Ryan. Doing all right. And yeah, I thought really, uh, kind of like you just said, I thought Wyoming actually you know, played pretty well you know, went toe-to-toe with them physically for the most part. Um, I know reading your stuff, I know there was a lot of bumps and bruises, which you would expect in a game like against, a team against BYU because they're very physical and things like that. But uh, I just think, you know, Wyoming couldn't make enough plays. And then I think that defense, whether it got wore down or not, or, you know, or a combination of some of BYU's talented players, I think, you know, some missed tackles really hurt them, you know, um, but I thought they showed some things, you know, they, they, they certainly, you know, they basically for that first half run, I thought they dictated the physicality of the game. They kind of, they kind of own the line of scrimmage for the most part on both sides. Um, um, but I just don't, then just, they just didn't have enough to sustain it. And against a, you know, a top 25 team on their home field, you know, you're, I don't think Wyoming's margin of error in any games is, is really big to begin with, but it gets even thinner and smaller, when you go on the road to face a top 25 team like that. But, you know, I know, you know, fans aren't into moral victories. Craig Bowl isn't into moral victories, nor are, the, nor are the players. But, you know, it you know wasn't a bludgeoning. I just thought they kind of got over, out, kind of outmatched near the end of the game. Maybe, they, again, maybe were they getting wore down a little bit by BYU? Certainly that could have been a possibility. But, uh, you know, a solid showing against the top 25 team and, and just shows that, you know, Wyoming is, is going to get, you know, is capable of giving itself chances in just about any, in just about every game, you know, take the opener away. And since then, you know, the three straight wins, even this loss, if, if Wyoming is just sound enough, they're going to give themselves chances to win the rest of their games. Well, how, how many they win? I don't know, but if they give themselves chances, that's all they can ask for. And they certainly did give themselves a chance. Uh, I thought against BYU. Absolutely. I mean, the offensive line came out and pushed BYU around uh, they were running the ball very effectively. Titus Swin looked like he was shot out of a cannon a couple times. Uh, credit BYU, they made adjustments to the running game at halftime and kind of slowed that down quite a bit. But Wyoming's offensive line, you know, physically held up well against BYU. And the same thing for the defensive line. Uh, you know, we talk about him every week, but Jordan Bertinoli was a man among boys. And same with Cole Goodbow and uh, Braden Siders is really throwing himself around in there now as well. He's a very physical player. You know, he cuts it loose on every play. And, and you know, I don't know if they got wore down or not. I think it was more that just they were playing a elite player in, in Tyler Hall who was making them pay by completing passes into short windows. And BYU's receivers were coming down with contested catches and Wyoming – defensive backs were not breaking those up so it was a game of inches really and and a really bad quarter third quarter for Wyoming that was you know kind of the difference there 
you, know, you would have hoped they could have held them to a field goal at the end of the first half instead of that late touchdown where, you know, apparently there was a blade of grass in between the receiver and the out of bounds and they get the touchdown with four seconds remaining, but they're only down 14, 10 and, and Wyoming deferred and had the ball to start the third quarter. And they had a couple three and outs in the third quarter, including that first drive BYU answers with Tyler Hall uh, leading touchdown drives. So that was pretty much the difference in the game. One quarter um, credit the offense for getting back on track in the fourth quarter and, and at least making a game of it. I know all those uh, that sliver of brown and gold in the horseshoe there that probably put some money down uh, on the pokes before they crossed the border. At least, at least they got a little pocket change for those guys. A little, little bit. And then, you know, yeah, the offense, you know, I think that's part of this margin of error talking about Ryan is I don't think this off any look, this offense isn't going to put up 40 or 50 points a game, but you know, they've got to, you know, they got to sustain drives. And, you know, when BYU started gaining that momentum in that third quarter, you needed the offense to, you know, get a sustained drive and, and, and finish with some points, even, even field goal probably needed touchdowns. I don't know if field goals would have necessarily helped, but just something there to, to kind of slow the momentum a little bit and, and just wasn't able to happen. And then, you know, did Wyoming did score late and, you know, they did throw the ball downfield a little bit more then. And I, and I could just, you know, watching that game, I could say, I can just, I can just imagine what Wyoming fans are thinking now that, Oh, if they just open up the offense more, this is what they can do. Yeah. I mean, there's a point to that. I, I get a certain point of that, but granted BYU had a fairly big lead at that time. They were playing pretty soft, you know, there were a couple of those passes that 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 Peasley made that I thought you know could have maybe been picked or was close. Granted, they made them. I'm not trying to discredit them or anything, but just before you slow your roll, it's like, well, Wyoming should open it up a little bit more. Realize the circumstances of the game at that time, you know. But maybe that is a sign that maybe they can. Again, I'm not saying it certainly isn't a sign, but I think you got to be a little guarded with that too, just based on where the score was at that point and where BYU was thinking defensively. Yeah, absolutely, and you know. Another encouraging thing for Wyoming is, uh, you know, they they instead of going for the onside kick after they cut it, you know, down there near the end, they decide to kick off. They pretty much, you know, Craig said they got in basically a goal line defense, even though the ball was, you know, backed up at the twenty for BYU and and BYU's running back got through that hole and and he's gone. Obviously, in when you're playing that kind of defense, it's an all or nothing defense. He got through a hole and was gone, but Ja'Cory Hawkins tracks him down, you know, to hold them to a field goal there. You know, there was another play where uh, a receiver made a play on a ball and and beat Cam Stone, and he was looked like he was going in for a touchdown, and Jordan Burton only tracked him down 40, 45 yards downfield. So this team has no quit in it is what I'm saying. And, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew Peasley was asked a very simple question after the game about – those type of plays. I think it was phrased, what does it mean to you how hard the guys around you are playing? And he got choked up. And we've seen that from Craig Bull defending him. And now Andrew Peasley's getting choked up. This is a very tight knit team and uh, they're not going to give up. And and I think this game can only help them going forward as they get into Mountain West play again and chase that championship you know, uh, BYU doesn't have that yet. They will in the Big 12, but for them, after losing to Oregon, they can still have a great season and go to a bowl game or whatever, but they don't, they're not going to win a, ma- a championship 
And, uh, you know, their gamble eventually paid off. They'll be in the pick 12. But Wyoming, you know, this game doesn't count. We talked about it last week. This was not a Mountain West game. BYU left the Mountain West. So now Wyoming turns the page. And given the state of the Mountain West, which we'll get into later with our picks, which is not good, (laughs) uh, Wyoming has as good a chance as anyone in the league of winning the Mountain West this year. Yeah, it's 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 been an odd start to the season or first month of the season so far, Ryan, it, it, within the Mountain West, and some things certainly have have happened. You know, I don't think anyone saw Boise to be in the situation it's in right now, nor the defending champion in Utah State where it's where it's at right now. And then you look on the other side, you see, you know, you see UNLV looking like it's I don't know if it's you know quite you know there's no reason to think it can't win. The Rebels can't win that side of the division, but, you know, there's still a lot of football left. So, you know, you, you kind of hear that with, you know, you know, around sports, you know, why not us, so to speak? And, you know, the way it's going, why not Wyoming? I mean, but again, for the Cowboys, you know, it's, it's you know, don't when you sound like a, a, a thing, a cliches here, but it is one game at a time. And again, they, they have plenty to work on. They have plenty to improve on. And again, I still don't think the margin of error for this team is real large, but why not? I mean, it's it's been crazy this first month. You're right. Now all these games seems like each obviously every game's big, but now it's all conference games. And this, you know, the San Jose State game is the next one. And next week the next one will be is just as bigger, bigger. So we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. You'd like to think a game like this gives Wyoming some confidence. Again, not that you settle for moral victories, but you did pretty much go toe for toe with a, a top 25 team in the country. For the most part, uh, there's some positives to take. Certainly, plenty of things to work on. But now, it's back to conference play, and if you you know, and back at home again. So you know, I would think confidence is high. Don't know. I like to think it's not. They're not overconfident by any stretch. But I gotta still think confidence is high. And, and talking about what you just said, Ryan, about just seems like how tight knit this group is. Little things like that can add up. Little things like that can actually mean victories and close games and maybe you know the air force game even the, the three games at home they'd won before the byu game you can maybe even attribute that to to those victories so a lot of interesting football left but you know why not wyoming why, you know why not based on what we've seen so far in the mountain west yeah and just to put a bow on that this byu game you know i was only half joking about you know never going to provo again it's a beautiful place it's a gorgeous setting and a great atmosphere for college football and and they are headed to the Power Five for a good reason. They have a great following and, and great tradition and all that stuff. Uh, but it was interesting because in, in 2009, I wrote a book about the Black 14 incident, which obviously happened in 1969, uh, the glory years of Wyoming football, where you know the 14 Black players on Wyoming wanted to protest uh, what they deemed racist policies in the LDS church and were booted from the team by Lloyd Eaton. Obviously, that changed the tra- trajectory of Wyoming football. Uh, it changed BYU's policy. Uh, they um, added their first African-American player a year later. All these years later, you know, it's interesting because when I started writing the book, neither side really wanted to talk about it. You know, it was just something they wanted kept buried in the past. Now, the other night, you know, John Griffin and Mel Hamilton, two members of the Black 14, were honored before the game. They lit the Y, did the ceremonial lighting of the the Y there on the Wasatch Mountains. And uh, the BYU Journalism Department did a documentary on on the Black 14. 
And I talked to John Griffin on the way home. He was on my flight and he has just, he's got this program where the black 14 and the Mormon church, you know, basically get all this food together for pantries and cities where people need food. And it's just a massive organization, you know, BYU has an army of people to do that kind of stuff and help the black 14. So the relations, I guess, have kind of improved, you would say. And talking to Tom Berman last week, he said he believes BYU will honor the contract and will be in Laramie in 2024 as a member of the Big 12, which will be a massive home game for Wyoming. And BYU's athletic director said the same thing, that they plan to come to Laramie. So uh, the series is not over yet, and that, that'll be a big one in a couple of years if if that holds true. Yeah, you know, we'll see if that game holds true. And, you know, that, you know, the Black 14 obviously was a was a black eye on, you know, society in general, on a lot of respects on for both schools, for both sides of the of the spectrum there. And, and look, it's been a long time, but if, you know, they say time heals all wounds, I don't know if all wounds are healed necessarily, Ryan, you probably have a better gauge of that maybe than I do. But it was nice to see that, you know, both both teams wore the black 14 decals on their helmets you mentioned the pregame ceremonies and stuff and that's that's all good and sometimes you know it takes time to learn tough life lessons like that you know um i guess better late than never uh it's nice to see uh some of that the bridging of the gap there a little bit um but it's still a, a big part you know at least in the history of of these two schools ryan it's a, it's a big part of it it's more so wyoming i think than, than byu but still it's a big part of their histories and to see that come together and 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 now we're seeing some good come of this now for when like you said for a while there was just really nothing it just was kind of a black cloud you know elephant in the room so to speak type thing that that's good to see and honestly Ryan and you know co- you know commend you you know your book did play uh, to me and I'm just saying this because we're friends and we're former colleagues and everything but I think your book shed a lot of light on this that a lot of people didn't even understand this or realize it even people in this state for that matter, you know, and I think you should be very proud, not just of the, of writing that book and how well you did with that book, but it also shed light on this subject. And maybe, you know, you played a a small contribution to maybe mending some of these fences and now we're seeing some good things come of it. And I think you should be awful proud that maybe you played a little, at least, at least a little, a small role in in that, in the mending of those fences. I appreciate you saying that. I think John be talking about it and people like you, other members talking about it is what got the ball rolling. I just, you know, tried to tell the story the best I could. Um, I, I do, I do think it's great that for the 50th Wyoming, you know, apologize to those guys. There's, you know, statues and, uh, and things out on the stadium now honoring them. And uh, you know, it's good. It's good that people are aware of that. I did a more, I, I guess, enjoyable, fun, whatever type of story this last weekend on the 1987 team going to Provo and winning and talk to a lot of those guys. You know, that's the last time Wyoming won there. That led to 16-0 in the WAC, basically, for those two years. That game was the catalyst there. And Gerald Abraham, you know, was the running back, and I asked him, did you even know about the Black 14 in 87? He had no idea, but he he did does have a copy of the book and, uh, you know, Small role is the key word there, but it, it, if you haven't read the book, uh, you know, tweet at me or whatever. I've got copies. You can get them at the bookstore or whatever. And same with our Border War book. 
Um, Robert, I, I have some good news as we move forward into uh, our Mountain West picks this week. Last week, I was five and three, and you were four and four. I mean, we're not losing money anymore. Well, that's probably the first time this season we could say, at least for me, we can say that. So we're we're we're, we're digging out of the hole. We're 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 doing we're we're getting there. You know, I still got a little ways to go, but hey, four and four. You know, it's like in the mail. You know, well, no mail, well, no bills either. So hey, didn't lose money this week. So we'll we'll go with there. See if we can build on it. All right, we'll be at, get to five hundred for the season here in a couple of weeks because we're gonna we're gonna crush it this week. Uh, you know, there's only uh, eight teams in action and. You know, two teams that have buys that we should touch on quickly are Colorado State and Nevada, and they play next week after they have an open date here. Uh, I saw where Ken Wilson, during his media availability this week, was asked about, you know, basically Jay Norvell taking half his or half the existing team to Colorado State. And he really called that out as something coaches should not do and, and is taboo and something that. You know, when Mario Cristobal and Ken Wilson, all them left Oregon, they didn't, you know, according to Ken, didn't ask any Oregon players to go with them or to go to the NFL or anything like he hinted. Norvell was saying to all the Nevada players, he said, stay at Oregon, get your degrees. It was fun coaching you. We're all leaving. Good luck type of thing. Whereas obviously Colorado State took, what was it, 11 players from Nevada from the portal. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one next week. Those two teams are awful, but they're going to have a, a heated battle when uh, Norvell has to go back to Reno. That should be very interesting. And, you know, the kind of, you know, two bad teams or struggling teams, at least at this point, it just should be a very entertaining game. I think it'll be close. Maybe there'll be some points scored, although I know CSU's really struggled at least, you know, scoring points. But but it's interesting, you know, Ryan, and again, in this day and age with the portal and stuff, you don't really know behind, you know, even us as you as journalists, me as a former sports journalist, hard to get behind the scenes of, you know, did, did Norvell take those guys or is that a sign of, no, these, those players that went to transfer that went into the portal and then went to Colorado state. I mean, you know, we hear about, you know, on recruiting trips, you know, Oh, they love the facilities. They love the atmosphere, the family, like all that stuff. And I'm not downplaying that either, but let's not, let's not forget that more often than not, Ryan, when these kids decide on whatever school they go to, it's because of the head coach. Okay. Yeah. You have position coaches recruiting you, even different assistant coaches recruiting your area. But the bottom line is, is, is meeting with the head coach. And let's just, let's just call it what it is. More often than not, these kids are choosing these schools because of the head coach. Now, did the, you know, did, did, did Jay Norvell say, no, I want X, Y, and Z or these 11 players to come with me? Did he recruit? I, I don't know. And I'm not anything, or did these guys really feel that strongly about Jay Norvell that they wanted to follow him to Colorado State. So I, I don't know, but it does add a lot of intrigue, no matter what the, the scenario is or the story is. And maybe all 11 players have different stories, you know, of how they got to Colorado State. But it does make for something interesting. And I did see Ken Wilson's take, and that's, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I guess I could see where he's coming from. But also, I don't know if it's all that clear cut where Jay Norvell took those guys. I, I don't know. Maybe it was, you know, and I'm not discrediting anybody, but that's, Pretty strong words to say, though, I, I I think. Yeah, and if you're a Wyoming fan, I mean, three of the hardest-hit teams in the country by the portal were Hawaii, Nevada, and Wyoming, and only one of those teams seems to have recovered in a, in a timely manner, and that's Wyoming. So um, kudos, I guess, to Craig Bull and his staff for adjusting to this era on the fly, and 
and for the young guys that were ready to play at Wyoming for staying and taking advantage of this opportunity. So uh, on to the picks. We have a Thursday night game, Robert. Utah State at BYU. The Cougars coming off that win over Wyoming. The Aggies got smoked at home by the surging UNLV Rebels. BYU minus 24, 6 p.m. ESPN Thursday night. Who you got? You know, you think coming off a short week for BYU and I, what they have Notre Dame the next week in, in Las Vegas, I believe, you know, and maybe looking ahead. But look, I, Ryan, I don't know what's happened at Utah State. I mean, they have, a, I know they lost some guys, but the quarterbacks back, they had some key players from that championship team. And I'm not, I don't know what's happened to them. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pretend to know what's going on there, but. I know it's a rivalry game, probably more so for, well, I guess for both teams, but probably more so for Utah State. But going down there, you know, BYU is going to get a couple, it sounds like a couple receivers or one of the, the, the Romney kid at receivers coming back after being hurt. Uh, I, I got to think the Cougars roll in this one. I'm going to, you know, I know that's a lot of points, especially in a rivalry game, so to speak, but I got to go with the Cougars to cover this one. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. I was going to go Utah State, but. They haven't shown anything yet, you know. They just have not shown anything, and they were beaten this badly by Weber State at home. So, you know, I I, I don't like the setup for BYU because they had a physical game with Wyoming. It's a short week, and they do have Notre Dame circled. But I just think Utah State's that bad. I'm going to go with BYU to win by more than 24. So, uh you know, if BYU keeps winning, that helps Wyoming's resume, certainly. I know folks fans don't like to have <laughs> BYU keep winning, but, uh, you know, they can put another dent in Utah State. Maybe they'll be on fumes by the time they get to Laramie. Or maybe Levi Williams will be the quarterback. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? But did you see? I don't know, Ryan. I mean, I know they've been talking about, you know, Bench and Bonner, the starter, but I know I saw an early depth chart before the season or right around the start of the season, and Levi Williams was third on that depth chart. I don't know if he's moved up or not, and um, but you know we could we'll talk about that later. But I don't think Levi Williams was even the backup. Maybe he is now, but I don't even know if he was the backup going into the season. No, he's been third, but uh, you know Bonner got beaten up by BYU last year, and Peasley came in at the end of that game. So I'm just saying attrition or just the way Bonner's playing, they could. Uh, be looking for Levi to spark him against Wyoming. You know, he, obviously he would love to to play Wyoming. Um, Friday night. So we both have the Cougars. Now we have another, uh, I guess you would say, interesting situation between typically teams that are at the top of the Mountain West. San Diego State at Boise State on Friday night on the blue turf. Boise State, despite firing their offensive coordinator, Tim Plough, despite Hank Bachmeyer reportedly headed to the portal whenever he can get in there and not at practice. Um, Boise State, minus 6, 6 p.m. Friday, Fox Sports 1. I'm going to take the Aztecs, even though they have absolutely no offense, no quarterback. They do have a running game and a good defense, and I just think there's too much turmoil going on for Andy Avalos. I can see Boise State winning, but I'll take the Aztecs to keep it close. I'm, I'm riding your coattails on this one too, Ryan. I, I Just for those exact same reasons, I don't know if, you know, I don't know how many points are going to be scored, you know, and it, and it just, like we, we hit on this last week, I think Boise State, 
for some reason they've, I mean, they're, they're still good at home, obviously. And the record indicates it, but they've, there, there's some struggles there. I don't know if they, you know, the pressure from the fans or whatever. And, you know, maybe this change in quarterback hell, I, I don't know, but I'm going to go with San Diego state's defense. I think they're going to cover that. I just think they're going to cover it again. I don't wouldn't be surprised if Boise wins, but I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Aztecs to cover that. I, I can't go the Aztecs to outright win it. Cause I don't know if they can, I don't know, but I, I agree. I think the Aztecs defense alone is good enough to cover that six points. Yeah, and I thought Andy Avalos was a good hire in the sense that he's a really good defensive coach and, and a young guy and a smart guy and probably a really good recruiter. But it hasn't worked so far. We're getting a pretty good sample size. And you wonder if Dirk Cutter, the former Boise State coach, who was an analyst who's now taking the offense over, what's his mindset? Is, is it to help save Andy Avalos's job and get this thing on track? Or is it yeah, I'm not coaching in the NFL anymore. I'm living in Boise. If it doesn't work out, I'll take over. I, I, that's an interesting dynamic to me. Interesting. And what are we going to see offensively? Are they going to, you know, it sounds like Boise was kind of like, you know, you know, we were used to seeing Boise high power, you know, tempo, this and that. And I haven't seen enough of Boise to know, you know, I think they do a little of the tempo, but not as much. They were kind of more run game oriented power run game you know you know but now do they do they open it wide open now that they're cutters the the coordinator i mean do you change your you you can't change your offense in one week right you you know even if you have a full day you're coming on a short week i I don't know man i just i'm really intrigued about what we're going to see from boise will this be a spark for them will this continue up in their eyes well if you're in boise if you, you know you think it's the apocalypse there you know, is this going to continue to spiral downward for them? So it's there's a lot of subtitles, sub stories to this game, and I'm certainly interested to see where some of this starts to develop. Yeah, and of all guys to to have Boise State wobbling, it was Dana Dimmel as Boise was trucked at UTEP. I watched that game; it was shocking. Not that they lost necessarily, but that they were just manhandled in, mm-hmm. at the end of the game there. One more Friday night game, New Mexico at UNLV. The Lobos were shut out 38-0 at LSU. That's one of those difficult road trips. You know, I wouldn't put a ton of stock into that one way or the other. I think they played okay in the first half and wilted in the second half. Um, They did beat UTEP the week before, something Boise State was unable to do, Um, although Boise did shut out New Mexico. It's kind of a strange triumvirate we've talked about that before unlv you know besides wyoming maybe even more so than wyoming the biggest surprise in the league at you know three and one overall and they just take down the reigning champions in in logan marcus arroyo seems to have the best offense in the mountain west and they are giving up 14 and a half to the lobos at allegiant stadium i am going to take the rebels uh, I just don't think New Mexico can score enough to keep it within that spread. And I definitely think the Rebels are going to win. So give me the Rebels to, to cover 14 and a half. Yeah, that's, this is a tough one for me. I think the Rebels win, but it's interesting. You know, you mentioned UNLV's offense. You know, New Mexico still has that good defense. Now, I mean, they only, did I see that right? New Mexico only got two first downs against LSU in that game. I mean, we know New Mexico's challenged offensively, but I just think that defense is going to play well enough to where I'm going to take the Lobos to cover that. I'm not taking the Lobos to win, you know, and again, another big game for Marcus Arroyo and the Rebels of their 
a, a surgence up the Mountain West charts, so to speak. But I think I think I'm going to go with uh, this is really well. I got to make some gambles here. I'm going to go with the Lobos to cover that. I think their defense um, will get enough stops to cover that to cover that spread. I think UNLV maybe wins this handily. Maybe the score may not indicate it as much, but I do think the Lobos cover that. It's it's early, but if we are headed towards a UNLV Wyoming Mountain West Championship, would Wyoming fans rather that game be played at War Memorial Stadium or in Las Vegas? Well, selfishly, the the, the you know there's the the fans that want to you know be in Vegas and gamble, and I and I'm not I'm not faulting for that, but no, you know if that offense is as good as it's shown so far, you know equalize it a little bit with a little cold, maybe a little snow, who knows? I would, I would want that game. If if that comes to fruition, I would want that game in Laramie. Absolutely. All right. Saturday, the uh, commander in chiefs trophy. We get that competition started Navy at air force air force blew out Nevada after the uh, Wyoming loss, which we both predicted air force minus 14, 10 AM Saturday, CBS who you like here. You know, these games are always close, Ryan, you know, and Navy, I'm not sure. Navy's not what Navy used to be, certainly, but I don't, still don't think they're horrible. I'm going to go with Air Force to win, but I'm going to take Navy to cover because this, I mean, this game means everything to both teams, you know, and I, you know, a, a double-digit point spread in, in these uh, service academy games scare me. I think Air Force certainly is capable of beating Navy by more than 14, um, but I just can't go that big of a spread uh, in a, in a service Academy game. So I'm going to take Navy to cover. All right. I'm going to take air force to cover. I was surprised to learn just researching this a little bit that they haven't won to the commanders in chief since 2016. You, you had a good run for Navy there and lately a good run for army. So I think this is air force's year to do that. I'll take air force to cover at home. And then we have Fresno state without Jake Hayner, almost assuredly at UConn. Fresno State is one and two on the year, but both losses were to good Pac-12 teams. They are minus 24 favorites at UConn. I am going to take UConn to cover. Uh, I, I experienced this last year. I think Wyoming was a similar type favorite, and they were lucky to win. It's a tough road trip to get out there and back. And I guess just to play with that type of effort when you're that big a favorite I, I think fresno escapes with a win but uconn definitely covers in my opinion and that's I, a bad uconn teams but still they are they are bad um but i agree with you i did see their depth charter in the week and, and hainer's not even listed on it so they're playing with a backup quarterback to me this will be one interesting aspect of this game is somewhat is you look we all know Fresno's good and a lot of it's because of jake hainer well we're not going to see jake hainer in this game so what is fresno made of without him Okay, and granted, maybe UConn isn't the ultimate litmus test, but you mentioned it's a long road trip out there, all this and stuff. So I'm wondering, you know, are they going to – how good is Fresno without Jay Kaner? Um, I, you know, maybe we'll get a little glimpse of that. I, But I agree. I think Fresno wins. I don't think – I think they just try to grind this out. It may, be get, it may be an ugly game, but I'll take the 24 points or whatever it was. I, I think UConn covers that. And finally, San Jose State at Wyoming – uh, the Spartans are two and one. They had a loss at Auburn where they were in that game to the bitter end. And then last week they blew out Western Michigan at home. That was a revenge game where uh, they lost a tough one at Western Michigan the year before. 
You know, they have Shavon Cordero now, the former Hawaii quarterback who torched Wyoming in the regular season finale last year. They have a very good defensive front. And despite Wyoming's resurgence and their 3-0 record at home, San Jose State is a three-point favorite in Laramie. What do you think about this one? Uh, 5.30 p.m., by the way, CBS Sports Network. This game really does scare me, Ryan, because uh, I think San Jose, I think we're starting to see the maybe the true San Jose team as, as opposed to their kind of lackluster opening win against what, Portland State to start the season. You know, and, and Cordero scares him because not just what you mentioned against in the in the finale last year, but I think Cordero was a true freshman who lo- knows long ago and replaced their starter and, and beat Wyoming in the islands, I think. So, um, but I think Wyoming remembers that too. And, you know, Wyoming's 3-0 at home. You know, it's back to conference play. These are big games. I'm going to, I'm going to take Wyoming uh, at least to cover this. Um, well, cover win, I guess it's either, or I'm going to take Wyoming in this one. I think they find a way, not sure exactly how, you know, you mentioned that front, they better be able to run the ball. Cause if San Jose is able to make Wyoming one dimensional and have to throw it, I don't like that. I don't like their chances, but I, I think Wyoming will find a way. I think the Cowboys find a way they at least cover it. And I'm, I think they're going to win it, but, but I, they're at least going to, you know, going to cover that three points. Yeah, I agree. I think Wyoming's going to win, and if they lose, it's going to be very close. I think it is kind of a coin flip game, but you know, Wyoming's a different team at home. You know, they were able to find a way to beat Tulsa somehow. You know, they grinded out a win against Northern Colorado, and then obviously played a spectacular game to beat Air Force at their own game, seventeen fourteen, and run the clock out on Air Force. I think they it'll take them maybe. A day or two, but I think they will turn the focus to the Mountain West race and get over that rough loss at BYU. I know they wanted it bad. They gave it a great effort. But I think what that loss does is having faced Max Hall, I think, is very good prep for what they're going to see in Cordero. And I think Hall is, you know, even better than Cordero and can throw into even tighter windows than Cordero and is kind of a, an elusive runner similar to Cordero. So uh, I know Jay Salvell likes the secondary better than last year's. And and one of the reasons why was he was not pleased with the effort in that debacle. So it's time for these guys to, to prove him right and come up with an interception. Um, they have not been getting turnovers and uh, it's only three games, but San Jose state has only turned the ball over once in their three games. So that's the key to me. Whammy needs a strip sack or Ja'Cory Hawkins pick six or something, and I think they're off to the races. I think so. And another thing that I saw that was a little correlation to the Illinois game and the BYU game is Wyoming, you know, missed some tackles. And, look, you're going to miss tackles in games. You're not going to be perfect, but there was too many missed tackles in the BYU game, especially as it kind of gone on. Can't have those mistakes against San Jose State. Well, you really can't have them any time. But I think we saw, for the most part, in those three wins at home, Ryan, Tackling was a lot better. You know, I think that's another thing. I agree with the turnovers and stuff, forcing turnovers, but they've got to tackle well, especially in the open field. You know, there's a couple of times where I thought, you know, Shea, number 43, I'm going to botch his last name. He had some behind the line of scrimmage tackles and the ball carrier slipped through his arms and, you know, credit to the ball carrier. But when you get those opportunities to get off the field or those, those negative plays on defense, you've got to make them. So I think if Wami can, you know, get back and forcing a turnover or two, 
um, get some of those explosive plays on offense and, and be a little more sure tackling, I think they're certainly at least going to give themselves a chance to win this one. Yeah, and I think the forecast calls for some rain, so I don't know what kind of factor that might be. I think it'll be a, a pretty good crowd. It should be. I mean, this is a, a young team that's playing pretty well that has a chance to make a run at the elusive Mountain West Championship. Uh, the basketball team, which we can talk about in future podcasts, uh, is going to have an open scrimmage at 3 p.m. at the AA, so uh, it should be a good weekend, Robert. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, it is opening day of hunting season on, on Saturday, um, at least for a lot of the the seasons coming from a game and fish angle here. So, uh, you know, that always can, you know, you know, keep some people up uh, away. But, uh, you know, you're right. I think it should be, you know, a good it could be good football weather, a little weather, you know, maybe some elements. Maybe that maybe that helps Wyoming a little bit. We'll see. But it, it has the makings of a great game. A little preview of Cowboy Hoops. We all know how excited people are for that. Even, you know, when they li- listed their schedule out yesterday, their complete schedule, like, you know, a lot of, a lot of fanfare there. Um, so, yeah, should be a great day in Laramie. A little hoops, a little, a little football, you know, maybe come down off the, off the, off the mountain a little bit and uh, enjoy some, enjoy some UW sports and then head back up and see if you can get that elk or deer. Sounds good. And if you're out there and you get a connection, just follow me on Twitter. I'll try to update everything that's going on Saturday. Thanks, Robert. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Ryan.